The statement released by the Commission on Human Rights, or CHR, on the proposal to bar unvaccinated people from leaving their houses reads, in part, quote, The Syracuse Principles, guidelines adopted by the UN Economic and Social Council in 1984, prescribe that restricting human rights in times of states of emergency, such as a pandemic, must not only be based on necessity, but should also be lawful and proportionate to its goal. These principles also cite that policies restricting human rights, in this case, freedom of movement, must be based on scientific evidence, neither arbitrary nor discriminatory, and should especially be mindful of its possible disproportionate impacts to marginalized populations." End quote. In this episode of B-Side, Commission on Human Rights Chairperson Chito Gascon tells Business World reporter Alyssa Nicole Tan why the state cannot and should not create a system that denies the unvaccinated access to necessary services and opportunities. When the president first announced that he would withhold the unvaccinated from leaving their homes, CHR released a statement saying that this would lead to undue discrimination. Under the release, it was mentioned in the Syracuse Principles that the restriction on movement must be based on scientific evidence. With the data on COVID-19, the high infection rate of the Delta variant, and the quick mutation of the virus not suffice as scientific data? Why or why not? First off, when dealing with uh, human rights issues in the context of a pandemic, it's important that we affirm certain core human rights principles. And that first uh, human rights principle is the affirmation that everyone has dignity and must be attended to or addressed in the context of that dignity that each of us as human beings have. Because it is a health crisis, there are science and facts on the ground that require assessment as we try and uplift uh, the dignity of all persons. The whole purpose of our response to uh, these recent statements is not to prevent the state from doing what it needs to do to address the pandemic, but to at all times affirm that the purpose for being of a state, which is to serve and protect its people, is constantly affirmed. And that's what the Syracuse principles highlight. And uh, it actually provides for us a set of guideposts, essentially an analysis process going through certain sequential questions. The first question, for example, is, will the proposed policy of infringement pursue a legitimate aim? So when there is an issue of preventing the unvaccinated from going outside, what is the aim pursued by that proposition? The second question is, is that proposition suitable and connected to the fulfillment of the goal? Prevention of unvaccinated persons from being out and denying them services, will that achieve the overall public good that we hope to address. And that is advocacy or efficacy questions. The third is the infringing policy, the least restrictive option. So this is the necessity question. And then finally, fourth key question to ask is, do the benefits of this proposition outweigh the costs you know, or a proportionality 
principle. So these four guideposts should help us in addressing many of these questions about how we make distinctions between those vaccinated and those not vaccinated. And we can go into an application in the course of this conversation. However, these principles need to be understood in the context we find them. Is it proper, for example, to punish the unvaccinated in the context of the fact that there are insufficient vaccines available for all? Do we punish the unvaccinated in a situation where it's not their fault that they don't have access to these vaccines? We support all efforts by the state to ensure that the rights of all are ensured, and in particular, the right to public health. But the means and methodologies to approach that must always be undertaken from a human rights-based approach, meaning the affirmation of the dignity of all and the avoidance of coercive or violent means that would, of course, impact on the personal integrity of people. What does CHR say about people who are against vaccinations, maybe out of disbelief, fear, vaccine hesitancy, and more, putting into consideration personal right versus community responsibility? Human rights are, of course, enjoyed in community with others. That means to say, while I have rights, the exercise of my rights must be done in such a way that it does not cause harm or violate the rights of others. And that's where we find this issue of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated becoming relevant. In other contexts, it has been affirmed by courts, for example, the European Court of Human Rights has said that vaccine mandates are allowed under certain circumstances. Again, uh, while highlighting the importance of ensuring that the personal integrity of each human's body is respected, there are, in a sense, a spectrum of modalities that can be undertaken to ensure that we achieve the goal of herd immunity. Because ultimately, that's what the state must guarantee, that each of us have a responsibility to the community, not only to protect ourselves, but to protect others. Now, we need to address why there is this vaccine hesitancy. Perhaps it is a question of the need for information. Perhaps it is assurance of the vaccines. And we've seen that in the last few weeks and months, people have been going to the vaccination centers because they know that this is important, but often they will request the vaccine that they think is more effective compared to others. And we understand that there is this hesitancy because the processes undertaken in the development of the vaccines, some use a traditional vaccine development methods, others use new technology. And so in a sense, the jury is still out. So we need to, of course, use positive means rather than coercive means to inform the public about the safety and efficacy of these vaccines. It's important that we continue to educate a larger number of people about the importance of ensuring that everyone is protected by getting as many people vaccinated to the point of herd immunity.
government officials casually label the unvaccinated, calling them names like walking spreader or variant factories, usually to push the government to improve vaccination processes, funds, and distribution, or to increase health awareness and protocols. What does this change in people's perception of the unvaccinated? It's important that as we pursue a very important health strategy of uh, containing the virus, that we do so by ensuring that each person is respected and name-calling or stigmatizing will not help, particularly because, as I already said, the vaccines are still not yet fully and readily accessible to all persons. So it's premature to begin to make this distinction and to use language that might further isolate them, reduce public trust, or even increase vaccine hesitancy. I think it's important that we address why people have these concerns and solve them. And that's what I meant earlier when we talked about access issues. There are real constraints, for example, with using online uh, registration and pre-registration as the primary mechanism alone. I think it's very important for many who are used to this uh, technology, but it might create an application of the digital divide in the context of access to vaccines. It's also critical that the local governments with support from the national government and even maybe the private sector should address the most vulnerable in our communities who don't have easy access to these new technologies because they are as much entitled to the vaccines as anyone else because that's what the World Health Organization is calling for, vaccines for all. So we need to develop different workable strategies to address that. The vaccination of the willing may eventually draw a clear line between the people who do and don't plan to get vaccinated. When the time comes that most people have already been immunized, the CHR think rules and regulations necessitating vaccination cards may be implemented? While we see the value of these vaccine passports and cards, it should not be to the extent that we then deny those that don't have access to the vaccines for whatever reason, the necessary services and opportunities that will make for a productive life uh, for them as well. The point is we cannot create a two-tier system where one class of uh, people, the vaccinated, are allowed every opportunity while another set of people are denied certain rights. Obviously, there will have to be some restrictions, as we said. If you choose not to be vaccinated, even though you had every opportunity for it, then you have a responsibility because you made that choice not to be vaccinated, not to place others in harm's way. While you should not be excluded from services and from opportunities, there will, of course, have to be constraints placed upon you. There are some considerations being undertaken now is, for example, those who choose not to be vaccinated should not be mixed with those that are. Also, there might have to be the need to require those who are unvaccinated if they choose to participate in activities that will involve mixing with others, that they take regular tests or prove that they don't have an infection. So these are 
necessary health protocols to ensure and guarantee that everyone might be able to uh, move into that new normal that we hope to achieve. If, let's say, government officials do push through with the law against unvaccinated citizens, considering some officials like Senator Drillon are for it, at a time where more than half of the Filipino population has been vaccinated, what would CHR suggest to include in the discussion of its provisions? Ultimately, what needs to happen is that the international human rights standards and as applied by the Syracuse principles should find its way in the protocols of any law. Further, in the implementation, we see that there will, of course, be some possibility or potential for abuse. And so there has to be also a mechanism for review, uh, for appeal, and for remedies. Coercive measures uh, should be avoided. Anything that undermines the integrity of the human person should be avoided. And we should create sort of like a working and enabling environment for people to have a free, informed choice to take the vaccine. This is really about uh, explaining what's happening. No? Like uh, right now, in relation to the Delta variant, it has been described uh, elsewhere that it is a pandemic of the unvaccinated in the sense that those who have taken their vaccines either do not get the sickness or if they do, they have mild or moderate symptoms and certainly very, very few die. I understand in the U.S., 99.5% of those who die were the unvaccinated. So this is a very strong argument for vaccination. When it comes to the unvaccinated, we can't throw the book at everyone and say, put them in the same box. There have to be individual assessment process for why they choose not to. And perhaps in those cases, we will find that they have their own different valid reasons for choosing not to be vaccinated with these vaccines that have been made available. And so therefore, it may be unfair or unjust to punish them under the specific circumstances that we find these people in. I think there is space for mandating vaccines in certain groups. You know, for example, frontliners, healthcare workers, the military, uh, public school teachers, because of the function of their work and the way they have to, on a daily basis, interact with the public. We probably need to create in the law safeguards that these are not abused. Because as we saw in the previous rollout of guidelines, while the guidelines were meant to be helpful on the ground, we had seen misinterpretations or misapplications of these guidelines. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Commission on Human Rights Chairperson Chito Gascon speaking with Business World reporter Alyssa Nicole Tan. Keep in mind that wealthy countries have cornered most of the world's vaccine supplies. The Red Cross recently said that Southeast Asia needs vaccine access to contain record infections and deaths driven by the Delta variant. And as of this recording, the Philippines has fully vaccinated only 10 to 12 percent of its population, according to a Reuters COVID-19 tracker. Marginalizing the unvaccinated, calling them walking spreaders or variant factories, 
when they do not have access to vaccines adds insult to injury. Human rights and human dignity should not get lost in the middle of this health crisis. As Mr. Gascon said, they should be the foundation upon which all decisions are made. This episode was recorded remotely on August 13. This is Sam El Marcelo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>